why are Christian marriages unhappy? Or unhappy, right? And I was just saying that, I mean, it's basically a trick question because I think a lot of the issues that happen in Christian marriages happen in non-Christian marriages. But there are certain specifics about the way in which we live our Christian faith that puts additional stresses on our marriages, right? So the fundamental problem in pretty much all marriages is an emotional disconnection that people ex have, right? Mm -hmm. We're like, we don't know how to understand our own emotions. Mm -hmm. So we struggle with communicating our right. own emotions, right? So everything in our world is colored by our emotions, right? Everything that happens in day-to-day -day life. There are no simple things. We always think about things like affairs mm -hmm. or big things. It's like, oh, those are the emotional things in life that yeah. cause problems in relationships, which they do. But there are regular day-to-day -day living things that require us to stay connected through that we struggle with. I mean, when you think about it, if you just even think about men, a lot right. of men would say, I'm not emotional. Right. I don't deal with emotions. Right. I'm not an emotional being. Right. Lies. Right. You but know, because it exactly. it's far from the truth. Exactly. And I mean, and there are women who look at you know, certain emotions as being weak, so they don't want to cry. Yes. Right? Because that's a weak emotion, right? And the problem with all of that is that because we don't fully live within our emotions and living within your emotions, there's nothing wrong with it. That's what God made you. If you want to ask about who gave your emotions or why you're the way you are, talk to God. Like you exactly. are having emotional makeup like everybody God, else. All of these emotions. And these are part of God's image. We are made in God's image and our emotions are a reflection of part of God's image. And so to try to suppress certain negative emotions because it's not Christian-like or whatever, doesn't help. It makes things yes, worse. Yes, because anger is wrong, hatred is wrong, jealousy, envy, strife, bitterness. Like, we know for a fact that there are certain emotions that have been preached right. and taught right. that we, we as Christians should not be dwelling in these emotions. Right. And so, but then what happens when they pop up in a marriage? Well, that's the thing, right? And so... Kind of going that goes to that this more specific issues that Christian marriages struggle with because everybody struggles with connection and being emotionally honest in a way that's constructive, right? Mm -hmm. um, but Christian marriage is a part of kind of our theology and orthodoxy in in terms of how we view the scriptures has caused us to look at emotions to be things to be controlled and mm -hmm. things to be, be suppressed yeah. and managed, especially negative emotions, right? And so the problem with that is that that suppresses who we are as people. This has nothing to do with sin. This has nothing to do with. But are you are you suggesting are you suggesting that we're not supposed to manage our emotions or we're not supposed to control our emotions? Well, that's the thing. I mean, the Bible does talk about controlling our anger, not being controlled by certain types of negative kind of emotions, right? But that's not the only thing. The, the way to deal with the anger problem, and this is actually brought through in literature too, in terms of like what we see with therapy, is like. The way you deal with anger is not suppressing it, right? That's not a long-term solution. No, there may be situations where it's like, hey, I'm going to do something really stupid, so I just need to control myself for these 10 seconds, get out of the situation, right. and suppress it. That's a good tool to have. It is not a primary tool to use in managing anger. Anger is telling you something, right? And God made us in such a way, God, Jesus himself experienced anger and acted out in anger, right? Mm -hmm. And he knew what he was doing, right? right. So... Anger is not something to just try to ignore and push away. You have to understand, why am I angry, right? And be able to process all of those things and be able to talk about those things mm -hmm. with each other. So in Christian marriages, a lot of times, we don't know how to start talking about her anger or our yeah. frustration and those kinds of things. And so that causes further disconnection because you have to be a, 
a fake version of yourself to be a good Christian husband or a good Christian wife. And then that causes even more problems. And then after a while, you just feel like you're a stranger or you're walking on eggshells all the time. But why you say, why do you say a fake version of yourself? Mm-hmm. Because I'm suppressing anger. Like, why is, that, why is that a fake version of myself? Because when you have to constantly, like, hide portions of yourself or not be honest about certain things, right? Where you're constantly pushing things down. Is that your primary way of dealing with negative emotions? Because mm-hmm. we do this with sadness as well. So I'm not yeah. sad. I'm okay. You know, I'm not frustrated. I'm blessed and highly favored. Exactly. Not realizing that you can be blessed and highly favored and really sad. You know, mm-hmm. these are, we have the ability. And sadness, <laughs> to, sadness to do doesn't mean, right. And sadness doesn't mean you're ungrateful. Exactly. Sadness doesn't mean you're ungrateful. You know, Jesus ex- experienced sadness. Mm-hmm. David experienced sadness. But he was a man after God's own heart. He was a man who understood what it meant to kind of walk with God, right? Mm-hmm. But he experienced a lot of different kinds of emotions. And so for us, we have to understand that removing or suppressing emotions as a primary way of dealing with difficult situations actually removes parts of who we are and how God made us because yeah. we're made in God's image. Yeah. And these emotions were things he gave us. No, the devil didn't give this to us. We didn't pick it up along the way. Our emotions are things that God fully gave mm-hmm. us to fully experience and be able to work through and understand. Now, yes, you can't allow your emotions just to run amok and just do whatever you feel like doing because your emotions are telling you something. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that you should ignore emotions. You need to be fully in contact and understand what your emotions are telling you. Because your emotions are a system of communication that tells you what's going on in a way that logic can't. There are situations where you'll experience an emotion. You can't think of any kinds of words to put with it or thoughts, but you'll experience the emotions attached to it and it's telling you something. And you have to be able to start figuring that out. So you can start telling your partner some of those things as well. And so when we don't understand our emotions and when we kind of suppress it, then it makes communication and connection extremely difficult. Yeah. I think one of the other reasons I think that Christian marriages are unhappy is because we make getting help seem like it's not a normal thing. Like oh, yeah. we don't yeah. normalize like like for example, oftentimes when people think about therapy, especially in the black community, when we think about therapy, it is almost seen as like something that is weak or something that is for somebody who is struggling and you tell yourself, well, we're not really that bad or I'm not really that bad. And so therefore the people who get help are somehow in this category of quote unquote that bad. Right. And so we just can't see ourselves as normal right. everyday human beings. Right. We are somehow elevated, right. you know, above everybody else. And right. so we don't get to normalize getting help. We don't get to be people who struggle and people who have problems. That's for those people. And the thing about that, which is always so interesting to me, is that, like, then do we understand what Christianity is? Because, like, in Christianity, for you to really invest in your faith and to become a Christian and have that relationship with God, right? You have one of the most fundamental things you have to recognize about yourself is your brokenness, right? That you are fundamentally broken, right? Meaning that sin has corrupted your life in such a way where like you have some serious, serious issues in your life, 
right? Mm -hmm. And so when we think that, you know, we are too good for anything, it's like, then you are lying to yourself about who you are. Yeah. Right? Like, you are a sinner, right? Therein lies part of the problem, right? It's the fact that we are lying to ourselves. I think think a lot of times, if if we are struggling... But we're hiding our struggle. Mm-hmm. If we are struggling, but minimizing it or saying, well, it's not really that bad or it's not really that big of a deal or there are people who are worse off than me. I think that is an example of like lying to yourself. Yeah. You know, that is an example of like, you're not really, you know, um, you're not really like, you're, you're not, you're not really using wisdom, I right. think, in that space. Right. Versus like being honest with yourself, honest with your emotions and being like, you know what? Like, I kind of really like, don't like you right now. Right. Or I'm feeling bitter towards this versus suppressing it. Let's talk about it. Let's do something about it. Right. I don't know what we could do about it, but maybe somebody else could help us. Well, that's the thing, right? Because I think a lot of times we think of ourselves as being very, and this is a big part of the problem we have, is that we think of ourselves as being like these rational, um, put-together people. We should Mm -hmm. be able to work through all sorts of problems, right? And we are able to do that in a lot of contexts, usually at work or in other kind of situations. Most people have the skills necessary to work through things, not realizing that things are far more complex and deep in intimate relationships absolutely yes and so because of that you actually need certain skills that most people have not appropriately acquired by the time they're adults because our society does a poor job in terms of teaching people how to understand themselves how to understand their emotions emotions, how to understand deep relationships we do a great job with the cognitive stuff in our society that's why we're so technologically Mm -hmm. advanced and all these different things but the emotional and, and, and um, we're relational, relational malnourished. stuff is yes. we're, ma- we're malnourished with. And so we walk into relationships thinking we're ready and thinking we know what to do and thinking that we're reasonable people who can work things out, but we don't have the skills most of the time. And so when things start to get awry, we don't know what to do. And that's yeah. where therapy comes in, right? Like good therapy. Good therapy can help you to learn some of those skills that's necessary to do that, but you have to recognize this thing that you're struggling with. But we as Christians, as I said, I find it very frustrating because we as Christians, we should be living in a constant state of understanding that we have brokenness in our lives that only God can fix. So the idea of needing help should be like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I came to the realization when I became a Christian that I need desperate help. Like I need help out the wazoo because I understand the brokenness in my life that's caused by sin. And so if somebody tells me, hey, you should talk to somebody who can help me, like, oh, yeah, that's how I live my entire life yeah. is me realizing that I need help. It yeah. doesn't mean that I can't do anything. It just means that I need help to do anything. Exactly. I often have to tell my, my own therapy clients that, you know, what you're doing is a really, really brave thing to ask for help because the culture that we're living in, especially culturally, asking for help is seen as weak. Right. And so you ask coming to the table, coming to therapy, saying that, yo, we need help. We mm-hmm. can't figure this out on our own. Please help us. That is so symbolic of how much strength and fortitude you have inside of you to break down cultural barriers, to break down right. mental barriers that tell you mm-hmm. that asking for help is a weakness. So I tell my clients that all the time, yo, you are strong. You may feel weak, but you are actually stronger than most people because you are here at the table. 
and I think you you mentioned something really important because the idea, the, especially culturally, right? Especially in the black community, Caribbean communities, you know, um, weakness and having you know issues are things that are even especially looked down upon right yeah and like you don't have time to be weak you don't have time nope. to you know it's like no need us just look life is we tough. have things to do things need to get things done to, yep. nobody have time to struggle and suffer <laughs> and feel sorry for we yourself. don't have time for tears here okay right, put exactly. away those tears exactly and so because of that you know and, and the thing about it is that it's like all of these things in certain situations make sense, right? So, like, if you're in the middle of a battlefield and somebody's shooting at you, right? Like, you may want to start crying. I'm like, I don't want to die and all that kind of stuff. But what you really need to do in that situation is suppress all of that. Yeah. Suppress and push that stuff down so you can survive that situation, get out with your life intact, right? Absolutely. So, that suppression is not a bad skill, right? And the African-American community has dealt, obviously, with slavery and issues with racism, you know, from the founding of this country and in the Caribbean community, similar issues as well. And so that skill is a great skill to have and can help you in many situations. Mm -hmm. But you have to realize is that if you are a workman and you're using a hammer for everything that you have to do to fix in the house, that's going to be a problem. You'll fix certain things and then you'll mess up other things. So suppression is a great skill, but you need to actually have other skills. Otherwise, you'll hurt yourself. And then you also hurt your relationships, right? And so you can't just be strong all the time. Yeah. Jesus himself wasn't strong all the time. Like he asked for help. He asked the disciples to come with him and pray with him. Why would God need anyone to pray with him? Mm-hmm. But Jesus was like, come pray with me. Yes. You're, having you here is a great support for me. I need your support. I am struggling right now. Please be with me, right? So if Jesus himself could ask for help mm-hmm. and needed help. Who are we to be like? Well, Who is you know, we? Who to, is we? Yes. Like, we don't need help. Exactly. We don't want help. It's like, no. Like, that's not how God made us to be. And so... Even it, Jesus needed help carrying his cross. Exactly. Literally, exactly. He, he could not carry his cross alone. Exactly. Because he was he was a full human being. And yeah. he, he lived... He, and here's the thing about Jesus. He lived life as a human as best as a human could ever live it. Mm. Like as best as any human could live it, that's how Jesus lived it, right? And yet within that, he lived with the weakness of being a human. Yeah. And so we have to understand that weakness of being a human is not something that we have to get over because Jesus didn't get over it. We shouldn't have to get over it. We shouldn't even try to get over it. We should be trying to understand how to connect in our weakness because in our weakness oftentimes is when we can attract people to us and deeply connect with other people and when we try to ignore our weakness we actually disconnect ourselves from other people and actually weaken ourselves because when weak people come together they can become strong yes as a collective as a diet you can become strong when weak people who are living unauthentically within their weaknesses to understand that this is something i'm struggling with I need your help. This is something you're struggling with. I can give you help. When you do that, and that's what a church is supposed to be. So this whole idea of like ignoring things or suppressing things and all that kind of stuff is really baffling because a church is supposed to be the, the place where people are supposed to be able to say, I struggle with this. And no one should be like, oh my God, like that's horrible. Know, right? You are the worst. <laughs> you know, it's like that should not be a part of how yeah. us as a church operates. And we also need to stop preaching fire and brimstone from the pulpit in the sense of like only saying like lust is wrong, adultery is wrong, 
you know, fornication is wrong, divorce is wrong, all of these things are wrong because these are the things that are obviously holding a lot of Christians hostage. Right. But it does nothing to elevate their marriage and right. to bring them spiritually, mentally, emotionally closer to each other. Right, exactly. Because I think these fundamental facts are things almost anybody who's a Christian knows. Yes. Right? And yes, you, you want to say, fine. But that's the starting point of the conversation. Yes. There's a lot more things that need to be said in terms of like, okay, I struggle with this. I know this is wrong. Now what? Yeah. Right? And so helping people to understand and making sure that we build, you know, communities within our church that help us to really deal with these things is far more important. And a big part of it, and that's why one of the things with authentic marriages is like, you know, community is so important, right? Because... People have to know that other people are struggling with certain things, right? You just, if we just live lives, if we just say, you know, you walk up to the pulpit and say, you know, um, you know, I'm saying, I've, you know, I've, I've, I've repented of my sin. And, uh, <laughs> and like, look, I'm not saying anything is wrong with that. The right. problem with that as the, as the core way of handling things is that we you're walk still up, alone. You're alone. Nobody know what your sin Nobody is. Knows no one know what with. your problem is. You haven't gotten help. Right. All you've done is just said, I've fallen. And a big part of the reasons why people do that is because they're afraid that if they actually did say what they're struggling yes. with, then a whole bunch of people or they, you know, and their own shame is activated and all that kind of stuff. And so we have to create spaces within the church and of course, for people to yes. be able to honestly talk with each other about what they're dealing with couple to couple yes. so that we can learn because a lot of times the devil isolates Yes, exactly. The devil isolates us. We have to create safe spaces. So we're not obviously saying go in front of your church of 500 people and start right. confessing <clears throat> details of your life. Right. That is not what we're saying because that would neither be wise nor safe. Right. 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 But what we are saying is that churches should cultivate an environment within the congregation that allows for imperfection, that allows for people to, to say, yo, I'm struggling with X, Y, Z. I could be struggling with alcohol, drugs, pornography, mm -hmm. adultery, sex addiction, sex reform, whatever the case is, right. I should be able to come to someone who is older, wiser, more mature at church right. to say, this is what I'm struggling. I'm struggling with parenting. I'm struggling with being a new mom. I'm struggling with being a new wife. I'm struggling with right. all of these things. And so we, sh the church should have this, this culture right. where that is a normal thing so that right. people don't end up isolated. Right. Right. So it's not about confessing your sins in a public forum right. for, for, for you to bring shame and disgrace to yourself. It is about being in an environment that is so supportive of you that no matter what your problem is, right. that you could go to someone, the elders, the elders should be able to point you in the right direction to get the right type of help that you need for mm -hmm. your particular problem because right. not every church is going to be equipped to solve every single type of problem and, and you know i think it and it, you know this kind of goes a little bit outside of what we've been talking about but you know i think even in church leadership right because i think this is a part of the issue because i think we need to have people to talk to but we need to have like a plurality of people right absolutely like multiple yes. people and multiple stages that can talk to us. So people who are walking with yes. us or struggling with the same thing. People who are walking ahead of us who have dealt with these things. You know, the eldership. But I think also a big part of the issue is that there has to be a transparency and authenticity even from, from the top down, right? So I really believe, like, 
people who are in leadership in churches really need to kind of be honest about some of the things that they're struggling with. Right? Yes. Because I think what has happened is that we have created this kind of environment where like everything is very artificial and people don't struggle with real sins, right? Mm -hmm. People struggle with sins abstractly. Yeah. But not in a real concrete way where you can see this person and be like, that person is struggling with this kind of issue. I don't know all the issues, all the details of it, but I know this person yeah. as this leader has or is struggling with this kind of thing. And that's okay. You know what I mean? Right. And matter of fact, the fact that you are so honest about it, me as layman B or layman A, that you know what I'm struggling with this thing, and the fact you said that on the pulpit, or you said that you know in a leadership position that you're struggling with this thing, makes it so much easier for me yes. to actually talk about this to somebody. Yeah, you know, and I think that is so critical. I mean, when we visited a church in 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 Texas, we had done a training and a marriage training, and they had what some of the leadership were talking about some of the issues that they were having in their own lives, right? Just from the pulpit. And to me, that was so like a wow moment because mm -hmm. like that's a transformative way of leadership because what that does is that that doesn't give space for the devil. Yeah. Because you're illuminating. The Bible talks about the fact that we're supposed to be lights that are brought into dark places, right? Yeah. So there's no space for the devil to hide in a corner with you trying to manipulate you because the light is cast over everything, right? And so when we are honest in those positions... We give the gift up to other people who are struggling in the darkness. They're like, I can step into the light with this mm -hmm. thing and get it exposed to the light. As opposed to being like, I got to be in this corner over here hiding yeah. this thing because nobody else I've heard. I know all of you guys struggle with sins abstractly, but I've never heard any of you ever specifically say anything that makes me feel like this is a safe place mm -hmm. to actually talk about this specific sin I'm having. Yes, yes, yes. You so know? what is the conclusion of the whole matter? Well, I mean, so I mean, I think the, the, the fundamental issue is that, you know, we have to live authentically. Um, you know, God made us in... So one of the things about Christianity is that he's trying to take us back. To, God is trying to take us back to the garden, right? Yeah. And in the garden, Adam and Eve walked completely vulnerably with God, right? Yeah. Completely vulnerably with no forms of disconnection with God, right? Yeah. And that's what he wants us to be able to get back to. That's what he created the world to be like. Yes. Right? And so we have to learn how to walk vulnerably with each other, which means that one, we have to recognize the problems that we have and be honest about it. Two, we have to find the help that we need and not look at it as something to be ashamed of, but just a recognition of the reality of our lives and who we are, every single person every single person and every single marriage struggles with stuff and being mm -hmm. honest about that and then creating spaces where these things can be talked about, yeah. you know, like we have to, especially in the church, create spaces where people can talk honestly about the things that they're struggling with because otherwise people will be held in bondage, Yes, you know, over these kinds of things. And I think if we do those things, a lot of marriages will do a lot better because most marriages don't struggle because of some big issue. It's regular day-to-day -day stuff that we don't know how to negotiate. Yes. Because we don't understand how it is that we're made of and how it is that God made us. 
And because of that, the devil takes advantage of our ignorance. Mm. Like with everything else, that's why we need to study our Bibles, but also understand that the Bible is not just a, a, a place to look for rules to how to live your life. I'm like, don't do this and do that. But it's also about understanding ourselves. Yes. You know, and when we start doing that, then we can be honest in terms of how to kind of get the help that we need and how to be honest with ourselves, honest with God, and honest with each other. Amen. Amen. But thank you everybody for joining us for our authentic marriages after dark. <laughs>